Welcome to the Westside Barbell Podcast. Today's guest is Neen Williams. Neen, a pleasure to have you here. I never thought I'd be sitting in front of a pro skateboarder. So hey. I'm pretty stoked to have you and uh, to learn from you. So I guess thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invite. I'm super stoked to be here. It's been a crazy time and so much history in this place. It's it's awesome. I have a series of questions, but I think the biggest one, how did you figure out strength training and skateboarding go hand in hand or you need to get stronger? It was really just trial and error, really just putting, I was my own guinea pig and I just put myself through pretty much every type of training. Mm -hmm. And I landed on strength, um, you know, contrast training. And that, for me personally and in my performance, that felt the best. So that's what I've been doing for the past few years. Um, a little bit of background. It's like I, I tried everything, you know. I started off in, like, physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And then from physical therapy, I started going to the commercial gym and in the commercial gym, I mainly focused on bodybuilding because mm -hmm. I didn't really know much. I just knew like you do sets and reps of these, you use progressive overload and you build muscle and muscle means I'm getting stronger. That's what I thought, Yeah. you know? And then from there, I started doing, a friend of mine started working at a, a gym and he, you know, invited me over to the gym to train with their trainers. And one of their trainers trained a lot of athletes. And that trainer introduced me to more so the conjugate method and, you know, focusing on strength and using, you know, the French contrast mm -hmm. method and a lot of conditioning. And, you know, once I started training that way, I realized I felt super good on my board. And I just continued doing that. Was there much pushback by people in skateboarding to go, hey, why are you doing strength training? Or has it always been a part of skateboarding that we just wouldn't be privy to? I'm sure people trained. I'm not sure if they really followed a, a regiment, yeah. you know? I think they just kind of... You know, the usual pull-ups, push-ups, you know, bench press, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, there was a little pushback in the beginning because it was something that wasn't really in skateboarding. Yeah. You know, they see someone lifting weights, they see someone doing deadlifts and bench press and stuff. And it's like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Like, you're trying to become a bodybuilder or this, that, or the other. And my whole reason why I started doing all this was for longevity and to be able to continue to skate at a high level mm -hmm. and choose what I wanted to do without slowly deteriorating, you know, like muscular, um, skeletal and joints. Mm -hmm. Because obviously as a skateboarder, it's like you're putting so much damage on your body. So yeah, I just, I took the blowback and I just kept doing what I knew was right, what was right, because I felt good, yeah. you know, and I, you know, promoted it and I, I just put it out there. And, you know, if you hated on it, it was okay. You could hate on it, but 
I know this is working for me. And if I could help one or two other people, that's worth it to me, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel great and I know I could help someone else feel great, you know. Well, before you came down, we started like looking at skateboarding like in greater detail as we could. Yeah. And never in my life I put contact sport and skateboarding together until I saw the contact between you and others and the concrete. <laughs> and you're like, okay, this genuinely is like, you're not going to win that battle. So you need to be resilient and robust to, to withstand that. So strength training are like obviously going to be biased. Made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And then seeing what your joints, the impact that they're going through, um, and then the level of uh, skill been presented because something looks so simple. We know it's not simple. Mm-hmm. It took me a lot of trial and error to get to there. When you started beginning uh, your journey in strength training and you started getting familiar with it, did you realize like, hey, this has got to level up somewhere that you started to see some positive feedback from it, but you needed more? Like, What was the next steps in going from going to the gym, bodybuilder style workouts to have been something more specific for you? It just kind of happened naturally. Um, the bodybuilding specific work left me sore and tired. So when I would go out and skate, I was never at 100%. I was always sore. I was always like nothing felt right. I wasn't as explosive. Um, and also I wasn't really paying attention to my mobility or my conditioning. You know, I was just sets and reps, sets and reps, (laughs) (laughs) add more weight, you know? (laughs) Um, and then just naturally my friend started working for this private gym and he just called me over and I've always been open to try new things. Yeah. So once strength strength training was introduced to me and I did a few weeks of it and I felt a lot better on my board, that's kind of when I made the transition into just focusing on strength training and then obviously using um, like the repeat method where I just focus more so on like building areas that are going to help my overall strength gains. Did uh, you realize you had to create a, a hierarchy of training based on the needs? And if so, was your feedback mechanism, not just the weight room, but how you felt on your board? Was that when you knew training was going right or wrong? Yeah, that's basically what I used to gauge it because at the end of the day, all I wanted to do was feel as good as I can on my board. Yeah. So if something made me feel good, I was more down for that over something that made me feel stiff, tired, and maybe I got super bulky and muscular and like I wasn't moving as fast or as agile as before. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's probably not the right thing to do. Because when you came in and you went through a bunch of stuff today, uh, which I think you're going to test it. Where it's been I'm, a long I, day. I'm pretty pumped. I used to do the podcast after it. But you tested as a legitimate pro athlete. I'm not, not trying to belittle anything at all that you've done, but you are up there with anyone who's in any pro sport. And to see the accuracy level of that is pretty impressive for someone in a sport that from my area wouldn't have been naturally like, oh, the strength and conditioning and skateboarding don't go hand in hand. But not only have you done 
uh, strength training, like obviously you've dialed in nutrition, you've like, mm-hmm. changed your whole life to be a pro athlete. Yeah. Can you kind of go through that journey a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't just strength training and skateboarding that got me there, you know, Yeah. probably about eight or nine years ago, um, I, I got into an injury. Mm-hmm. I tore my ACL. Um, the whole time building up to this injury, I was kind of just messing around and drinking, partying, not really paying attention to anything and not focusing on my health, my nutrition, fitness. Like I would do push-ups and pull-ups and bench press if I came to a house or somewhere that had mm-hmm. barbells and a bench. I would, I would, let's see how much I could get, you know, just for fun, you know. Um, but I tore my ACL and at this point I had to kind of figure out like what I wanted to do. Cause I was kind of not really focusing on my career anymore. I was just kind of partying and just living life and an ACL tear sucks. It's like nine months, 12 months out. You can't even, you can't do anything. You can't do anything you love. And I was like, I don't want to go through that ever again. Like there has to be a way to kind of lower the chances of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nine years ago or however long it was, I'm not really sure. I, I gave up drinking so that I could focus more on my health and fitness and, you know, trying to avoid those uh, catastrophic injuries, <laughs> you know, like I was like, okay, there has to be a way, like, I'm going to put drinking aside so I could have more time to focus on bettering myself. And then I just started educating myself. You know, I would ask tons of questions to my trainers, my physical therapist. Um, I have such a high output of energy Mm -hmm. that when I would go to physical therapy and do my little ACL recovery stuff, which was like barely anything, you know, because these are the beginning stages and you got to like rebuild that quad that looks like my forearm. (laughs) And um, I would have so much energy left over that I was like, hey, can you give me something else to do? Like some upper body maybe or something. So they would start making me like a little program to tire me out, you know, like kind of just endurance, um, bodybuilding-esque programming just to tire me out and um, feel that need of like energy output that I had. And, you know, that kind of sparked something in my head. So after physical therapy, I just went to the commercial gym and I just continued doing what they were doing for me. And I would hit them up, give them calls and stuff and ask them like, what kind of stuff can I do to continue to strengthen my legs, strengthen my glutes, strengthen my hamstrings, all of that. And they would give me protocols and I would do them on my own. And then that just like created the bug, you know? And then I started taking certifications and like just trying to soak in as much knowledge as I can, you know? And, you know, that happened nine, eight, nine years ago or so. And now this is the present day. Yeah. So I've been doing it for a long time, regimented too. I never fell off. I stayed true, never picked up alcohol again and just continued my journey and continued to get stronger and stronger and stronger you know yeah was it a overwhelming at the start with all the different avenues of information you could pull from 
It was, but I feel like social media wasn't that big with all the the stuff that's out there yeah. now. It wasn't as big back then. So it was a little bit easier to kind of sift through and find your lane and then just kind of stick with that. And two, I had the help of my physical therapist and stuff yeah. feeding me protocols and programming. So it was like easier for me because I would really, I wouldn't really listen to anything on social media. I would just get the stuff from my physical therapist or previous workouts that I did for that whole nine months. Yeah. So I had a, I had like a big arsenal. So I would just, you know, I like that workout. I'll redo it with some heavier weights, you know, and yeah. I would do that kind of stuff. Have you always had this kind of endless curiosity about things? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I have the mentality of like, if I land a trick on my skateboard, I'm like, that was cool, but I could do something harder. Like, let's keep going. Like, there's yeah. no celebration, really. I just keep I going, you. you know? Like, the, there's always, I always say, we are in charge of how well we do. Mm -hmm. And if we just sit down and say, oh, that, that was good, you know? Like, just relax, That's, that was good. Then we're just gonna get whatever we got right then. But if we keep pushing ourselves, like, the opportunities are endless, you know? And it's like, that's kind of my mentality is like, I'm in charge of how yeah. well I do. So the more work I put in, the harder I try, the better my outcome's gonna be, you know? It's as if you, you found your equation, mm -hmm. right? The more I put in here, plus this equals that skill mm -hmm. or whatever you want to achieve. And that level of hunger, I think that's what is part of what makes people professionals and what they do especially athletes mm -hmm. i think most athletes are driven in search of i heard a saying that they're in search of perfection even though they know it doesn't exist but they still want to chase it <laughs> because the chase is what makes it so intriguing and so enjoyable yeah um is there aspects of skateboarding that you know you can put in the groundwork in the gym and that's going to pay off dividends like in terms of a is there a a trick that you have here like okay to get to that physically i have to be in this shape so a lot of it i mean i, I don't know the um the exact measurements of everything yeah but the way i look at it is you know you jump off of a 10 foot thing, like you're taking a lot of, a lot of impact, which equals, you know, however many pounds. Yeah. So to get better at taking impact, squatting, trying to like max out and get a stronger squat will only help you stand up from taking that much impact so you can ride away from the trick. Yeah. You know, so that's how I look at it. So that is like something huge that plays into like how I train and obviously strength training, you know. And yeah. I don't know if that answers your no, question, it, it, but it, it does. Like just knowing the level of thought that goes into something that from someone who's clearly new mm -hmm. to understanding what you do, like the level 
a preparation that goes into something like it's not just random yeah like that's what and especially understanding the difference between um which i'm not going to even maybe you can explain it better of the style of skateboarding you do compared to what most people would probably think of like the because you free skate right that's the yeah street skate just outside stairs handrails gaps um ledges benches and we're, we just kind of document it, get photos documented, video, um, and we kind of create video parts, Yeah, you know. So there's got to be a lot of stuff going when you're driving, like, oh, you oh, look yeah. at something and you're making Eyes mental just, notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like to where that, that cognitive aspect tied in with the physical demand, you're like, okay, that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. And at Westside, we always... We love something that's super interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting means that there's a level of depth beneath the surface that people don't understand, and that's where we want to understand more. Um, what do you think is one big thing that people don't comprehend with what you do in terms of your sport? Um, so, I mean, when you see a video part and you just, you know, you see those three seconds of someone catching their board and landing it or grinding on the big rail. Um, and you're like, oh, that looks super easy because mm. they do it smooth and nice. Um, I don't think people understand how much work actually goes into that three seconds. Like sometimes we work on tricks for, you know, hours, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes even like months or years. We're trying that same trick on that same handrail and have to go back numerous amounts of times getting injured slamming all that stuff to get that one three seconds that passes by so fast um i feel like people don't understand that one thing and then the other thing um i feel like every i feel like every parent should like allow their kid to skate at least once I'm a parent, so yeah. I can talk for, for the parents, but let them try to skate at least once. Let them try to learn a trick or two just because skateboarding teaches you like a resilience that passes over so well into real life because real life isn't easy. It, it sucks. It's hard, you know, and skateboarding is hard. Yeah, It's hard as shit. And you have to you have to be able to put in reps on reps, repetition, repetition to learn tricks. So it teaches you how to understand and deal with failure, but it also teaches you how to push through and become um, victorious yeah. on the other side. And I think that is a huge life lesson for everybody. And the sooner you could learn how to navigate through that, mm-hmm the better. So I feel like every parent should let their kid play with a skateboard. Like, go ahead, try to learn how to ollie, try to learn how to kickflip, you know, just at least that one section of their life, just to teach them that mental strength. You know, I feel like that, that has helped me a lot Mm -hmm. in life. And I feel like so many other people could benefit from that. Does it also help with developing an appreciation for culture and community? For sure. Skating by yourself is not fun. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I mean, I've always, throughout my whole life, skating, my whole career, you'd go, even even now, I'll go to a skate park 
and like I wouldn't even call any of my friends or anything. And there's always people there yeah. and you end up meeting people and then you're skating together. And that's like, uh, there's a huge community aspect of skateboarding that is like, it's, uncom it, it's very hard to compare to other things. Mm -hmm. And also I remember there'd be times where you'd go to a skate park alone and you start skating with people and then they're like, Oh, let's go get dinner. Let's go hang out. Like, yeah. and then next thing you know, like you've been away from home for like four days cause you're hanging out with this new group of friends and just crashing. Everyone's crashing out in the parents' basement, <laughs> yeah. like, you know? So it, it's crazy, you know, but it, it's super cool. And it does teach you a lot about community and then the culture comes with that. Yeah. When you started out and even to this day, do you have, people that inspire you within your community and externally maybe that inspire your training people that inspire me on skate with yeah, skateboarding. skateboarding and then and then one just say for strength training like is there anyone like okay you looked at that person like oh i admire what they're doing i feel like so i have a lot of you know skateboarders pro skateboarders um future and present okay. or past and present that I look up to that are like my favorite skaters. Like I like their style. Like I like them as people, you yeah. know, um, and I'm inspired by them. And then as for training, um, I mean, really, I just kind of find what works for, for me and that's what I do. You yeah. know, there's not really like I look up to you guys with everything you guys have done with your gym, you know, um, but there's nothing really, it's just kind of like something that I've done um, to help me be the best I can be, yeah. you know, so it's like, I don't know, it's just, it's like a, that's what like skating and training for me have like worked so well together because I feel a lot of similarities between the two. Mm -hmm. Like they're very therapeutic. It's very like me time feeling, you know, like skateboarding, I go out, it's like I have a canvas and a paintbrush and I like kind of see some stairs, like I'm gonna do a trick down these, like, like I just kind of do what flows and comes naturally. And then where training is almost the same thing, but it's a little bit more, um, controlled like mm -hmm. I'm I got this I want to work up to this let's do it and then my mind kind of goes into the same place you know when you're preparing for a shoot mm -hmm. how long out are you prepping for that it depends because some days you just kind of go out with the media crew and you just wing it and see what happens. Yeah. That's usually what the majority of the sessions are. Um, and then you'll, you might have a list of 10 to 20 things of tricks you really want to get. Mm -hmm. And those tricks, you usually spend a few days before doing them on, like the way I structure it is I'll spend two to three days before with a day rest in between each day practicing that trick on like smaller obstacles obstacles that are almost as big just so that i am 
as prepared as possible when I actually do go out and try to film or shoot a photo of it. Yeah. So there is like the way I do it now. Like back in the day, it was always just whatever happens, whatever I'm <laughs> yeah. feeling, you know. And yeah. then now that I'm a little bit older, I'm more strategic about it because also my time is very valuable now. Like I have my wife, my son, I have restaurants, I have things to do. So it's like I need to get out and make sure that my time is spent to the best of its degree as possible. So yeah. I have to make those chances like not a I hope it works to like I have a, you know, eight out of time. Eight out of ten chance that I'm going to land this and right away, or I got a five out of ten, you know, yeah. on like the broader spectrum. Um, kind of to jump back to your saying of like that your kid try going to skateboard. If you had to give advice to people getting into this from a strength training perspective, like what are five tips you could give them that you know now that you didn't know when you started? For strength training? Yeah. Obviously, you know, number one, the easiest one is just focus on your mobility. Um, nutrition, for sure. Um, just, like, be careful on what you eat. Know what, you, know what you're eating, why you're eating it, and what is it going to do for you. You know, have a purpose with yeah. your nutrition. Um, strength training, you can start s as small as just body weight just to kind of understand form, technique, you know? Mm -hmm. I always say, like, it's best that you get mind the muscle down to really understand what's working, the mechanics of it all. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be easily as just using two dumbbells or kettlebells and just kind of, like, really focusing on just the basics. Um, and then as you get better at that, obviously adding a little bit of strength training into your weekly routine, whether that's two to four days, three days, three days is the moneymaker. You yeah. put me on three days. That's been a game changer for me. So uh, on that, what did you find moving from the, just say the five to four day to the three day model? Like what has been the biggest change to you in that? The biggest change is having more days to practice my my skill, to be on my skateboard mm -hmm. more, to have more time to hang out with my family. And, you know, that helps my overall mental, you know, my um, my power output, just having yeah. more time to rest. I'm not as sore um, and I have more time to just practice tricks that I want to get. So it's like easier. I feel way more on point than training every single day or, yeah. you know, um, that was like always the big thing with me was just, I've been, I've been a guinea pig with all this, you know, like taking strength, strength training seriously and, um, skating at the same time for so many years. So I've gone through so many different phases and like, maybe if I do two on one off, one on one off, do all six, one off on Sunday, yeah. go all seven, you know, normal body, body part splits, bro splits, this, that, and the other. 
And I just did those each for, you know, months at a time until like my body was like, yo, this is too much. <laughs> you know, you're doing all of that and skating at the same time. Like, yeah. it's like, you got to figure out something that works. And um, I had a good kind of split going. And then I talked to you and you completely ruined it. <laughs> you completely threw it. No, um, you know, you brought up the three, three days a week you know, and just getting everything you need in on those three days. And it's been game changing for me. It's, uh, it's been interesting. It's been really interesting having you here going through. I don't think you knew what you're getting into today with. Oh, no. The, the, the I didn't even know I was going to train today <laughs> in that way, too. <laughs> um, but it's amazing the levels of this, right? To where when you first get into strength training, even if it's not deliberate, you start doing push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and then you kind of graduate into the, the dumbbells, into the compound movements, mm -hmm. and then you peel back another layer, and you're like, oh, wait, there's more than just progressive overload, there's more than just linear, there's all these other different types. And before you know it, you're becoming a pro athlete, and you're like, okay, nut nutrition plays a huge part, rest plays a huge part. Yep. And it never ends. Mm -hmm. And then to see what you're doing is like, you're documenting this on the way, but you're giving these nuggets information out through your social media and your different platforms of like, hey, here's how I'm doing it. Do you feel that sense of responsibility to give back? For me, it's always been, there's never been a skateboarder in my position that, you know, kind of talked about any of this stuff. Um, now, would I have listened to that skateboarder when I was yeah. younger and I was partying and, you know, just fucking off somewhere? Um, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. But it might have planted a seed in my head and I probably would have started thinking about it a little bit. Maybe I would add in a couple push-ups here and there for fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do feel like since I'm doing all this, and, you know, with my age and with how long I've been skating and jumping down stuff um, and actually seeing results and feeling good on my board still through injuries and surgeries and all that stuff that I do feel like I want to be that person to help educate, mm -hmm. you know, because that's the only way like I've like I said earlier, it's like I've been the guinea pig and I've gone through it. So like I can pretty much tell people what has helped me so far and kind of give you a rundown of how I kind of, how everything kind of affected me personally. Mm -hmm. Now, is it going to work for everybody? No, everyone's different, you know, but I could kind of give you my experiences yeah. and that's what I do with my social media, you know, and I, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I want, I want to be that person. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like obligated to, I just want to share and I just want to help as many people as I can, you know? Do you notice people within your sport starting to shift that way? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's night and day now. Cause I mean, I, obviously with the um, exposure of skateboarding now and like the bigger contest and stuff and where it's gone from back then, it's, there's like bigger deals out there and like, um, like people are training. People yeah. are taking care of themselves. You know, I have friends hitting me up all the time. Like, 
you know, I got the gym membership. I'm in the gym five <laughs> days a week. I'm doing this. And I, and like, you know, I tell them all the time to hit me up if they have questions because, yeah. you know, I, I do this. Like, <laughs> I live this. So it's like I can try to help out wherever I can, you know, um, and help try to help guide, you yeah. know. Can you kind of, it's going to be hard to, but what is a day in a life like for a pro skater? Like, I can picture what it is for NFL, for that, but there's a lot of, I would say, freedom to do the wrong things, I'd imagine, compared mm -hmm. to the regimented aspect. If you're part of a team, you know, you got to show up here, you got this person to work with, you got this person to work with. It seems that you're that person and you have to put in your own structure. So could you kind of give me like just a quick glimpse into like what is a day like for you? So I'm I'm going to be a little bit different than other skateboarders. Um, do you want me to let you know what I do strategically? Sure, whatever you're willing to, to divulge. And then if you want to compare it to what other people do, it'd be great. Okay. Well, f for me personally, like it's taken me years to get to this place. Um, and obviously like, you know, I have a family and stuff, so it's a little different, yeah. but I normally have to go to bed or be in bed around nine. Um, I fall asleep at like 10, 11 ish. I wake up at six and then I go to the gym and I train. Mm -hmm. And these are like on my training days, yep. you know, leg days. I'm not going to skate leg days. I'm taking care of other business. I'm hanging out with my kid, my family. That's family day, you know. Mm -hmm. I'll just slowly creep myself around, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the day after leg day, because I've been doing this for so long, I don't really get destroyed on my leg days. And I'm not really focusing on, like, take it to failure. Like, we got to build these legs as big as possible, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm not really that sore. So I skate the next day. And like I said, I practice tricks that I want to document on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And then the day after that, right back to it, training. But basically, I just focus on my nutrition throughout the day, like on a skate day, let's say, how I would approach a skate day. As I'll, I'll wake up, I usually do some sort of movement prep just to get everything <laughs> kind of working, activated. Um, I have my breakfast. Um, I focus on my nutrition, so I'm going to eat things that are lower on the glycemic table so I don't spike and drop, you know, because I'm going to go do something active. Then um, that's normally protein, fruit, somewhere around there, caffeine. I go out, I meet up with my friend. We're on like more of an early schedule. So we go out, we get things done within like three to four hours or so. And then I head back home and it's family time. And family time is self-explanatory yeah. just chill with the family go on walks try to walk a lot yeah and then uh just eat and enjoy the rest of the day and then it's gym day the next day so back in the day normal skateboarding um life normally party at night who knows what time i'd go to sleep yeah who knows what time i'm gonna wake up wake up um Usually everyone would get out by 11-ish. We'd all meet up. We'd skate all day. Um, there might be some daytime beers. Um, definitely tons of spliffs. And then um, 
there was no real stretch or mobility back then. It was just kind of like, you just warm up, ride around, <laughs> ride yeah. around, like grind the ledge a couple of times, yeah. you know, um, no real regiment, neither just kind of make it happen, skate all the way till it got dark outside. So we're talking eight hours, wow. yeah. maybe more. And then we'd get back home and at that point you're so drained and so hungry but i never really had much money back then so we would get like the burrito or something yeah. and that was dinner um 40 ounce that was my hydration and then <laughs> either party or just pass out you yeah. know and do it all over again so there was no regiment there was no you know and this is professional too there's no like no <laughs> No yeah. team to meet up with, no buddy to tell me like, you know, like you got to stretch, you got to lift, you got to do anything. You know, it was like very just make it work. But that's how skating works. Like it's just kind of a, it's raw, it's yeah. rugged. That's just how it is, you know. Do you think in today's times, sponsors and people who invest in you are looking at that, that they want people who are more not put together but you're like okay they're paying attention to it like hey you're taking everything serious i think some are and some aren't you know obviously um it depends yeah and a lot of skateboarding is on like market marketability you know like who can you who's marketable yeah if that's it yeah. makes sense yeah yep. so it's kind of like a 50 50 um because even like people that party super hard can score really good endorsements mm -hmm. and sponsors. And then to the people that are regimented and structured, um, they could score those same. Yeah. Obviously like someone's career might go longer, but you never know. Cause there's so many variables that play into it. Is our sponsors, as you get, I guess, more accomplished in your sport, do sponsors change from, like, I need to get a sponsor and you take whoever it gets to become a more reflection of who you are? Or is there that little choice? And it's like more just to, to generally understand to where the roles of sponsors and do they reflect you as a person as you go forward? A sponsor's kind of like a family. And obviously, like, you could get other spon sponsors outside of just, like, core skateboarding. Mm -hmm. But for most of the sponsors, it's a family. It's a family thing. Um, these are people you skate with. These are friends, you know. Um, and then, obviously, those other endorsements come in that are more so, like, product-based, Yeah. you know. Um, and you're more of, like, a representative of that company. So it's kind of a mix of the you. two. Your core sponsors are more of like your family. And then you kind of get other ones too that you're, you represent. Um, I don't want to, I could keep you here all day, but I know we've had a long day. I got to be remiss if I did not bring up <laughs> the spices. The spices. Hell yes. Where did that come from? Because it's just such a unique product for someone to to create and 
to actually use them and genuinely like these aren't just your average spice like they're like legit spices that we put on everything how did that come about Uh, so you know throughout my journey as i started focusing more on nutrition um i started to cook a lot more at home and you know i would put all my knowledge out on social media and I'd also put my cooking too. Yeah. So I would cook, I'd season my chicken, I'd season my potatoes, everything, you know, and I made this one recipe for my chicken breast that was like a hit. People were super stoked on it. And I put out a video and they were really hyped on it and they started making it and they're like, yo, like that season mix is amazing. You know, it was like they're anywhere I could get that mix. And my wife came at me and she was like, yo, you should bottle this spice. You know, yeah. like we should, you should start doing some spice rubs since you're, 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 you're making all these different dishes and different rubs and like putting them out there. Like you might as well just bottle them up and yeah. get, have a place for people to get them. And it's easier, you know? So we started doing some research and it was fairly easy. Just had to kind of YouTube some stuff and everything's on YouTube nowadays. So <laughs> yeah. we like figured it out and met up with a bunch of manufacturers and um, we found this really good manufacturer that was like family owned and stuff. And the dude was really cool. And, you know, I still go through him today, like years, years past. And um, yeah, we just started, we created our own spices and just kind of started selling them out of the house. And it's the same way we do it today, you know, still going. Um, So like now I've been kind of introducing new spices, seasonal spices to the mix. Yeah. And I, I'm, I want to do more with it. Um, my whole thing is time. So maybe just more so putting the right people in the right places to be able to do more with it. Well, I mean, between family, skateboarding, spice, and then you have restaurants too. You have yeah. uh, burgers um, too. Like to, to where partner in some restaurants. Yeah, that... Um, which came first, the spice or the burger? Uh, the spice. So the spice created the burger. Okay. Yeah. So with the spice, me and my friend decided to partner up together and do, um, we are like, I like smash burgers. My friend was like, I like smash burgers. Let's do a smash burger. So then yeah. we collabed together to make the, what our idea of the perfect backyard smash burger. My friend is, uh, his name's Philip Franklin Lee. He's a Michelin star chef, but we both like, like street food, That's hilarious. you know? So yeah, yeah, we used my spice rubs on it and we, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of research. We ate a lot of burgers <laughs> <laughs> and we finally developed the burger that we thought, which was the perfect burger for us. So we started doing pop-ups and just giving away 50 double burgers in random locations, like comedy clubs and stuff. And then um, another friend approached us and was like, hey, if you guys want to do your burgers out of my kitchen, you could do your burgers out of my kitchen. And we were like, let's do it, you know, because he had a bar with a kitchen attached to it. So then we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we opened up our burger spot in the back of his bar in Austin, Texas. It's called uh, NADC Burger. 
Yeah. We, what does that stand for? Not a damn chance. <laughs> <laughs> and then the spice rubs is it's NADC too, because that's where what it originated from. Yeah. It's like a catchphrase that I use. Like if you ever watch my social media stories, I usually eat something. Sometimes it's a small meal, sometimes it's a big meal, but I've just grown accustomed to saying not a damn chance every time I crush my plate. <laughs> <laughs> like when you talk about it, it all makes sense to synergy with mean the brand, like of who you are and what you do with your pro sport. But I would never put everything together. I would never have put <laughs> strength, conditioning and skateboarding. Smash Burger, Michelin Star Chef, <laughs> skateboarding, and Michelin Star Chef, and spices. But strangely, it just all comes together and makes sense. And did this, was this always <laughs> linear, like in your head, like, okay, if I can do this to this, this, I can still be a representative of doing my sport. Um, and everything just ties into you being successful and doing what you're doing. Was this always in your head or did you just, just jump on opportunities that came your way? No, just kind of just my passions drove these ideas and then the opportunities arose, you know, they, they, they came. And then I just was like, all right, we're doing this. We're doing this. You know, I also, you know, coach a bunch of people too online. So it's like, I, I bring my knowledge of strength training and then share it with others and try to help them reach their goals as well. You know, that's, the plan is just to help as many people as I possibly can with the knowledge that I have. And, you know, it's just as things come, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know? Yeah. And especially like all these things I'm passionate about. It's like none of them are like things that I'm forcing myself to do. Like I'm going to do them anyways. So it's like, it's just kind of like, it's sick that I'm able to do these things and like, you know, they're basically work as well, but they're per passions as well you know yeah so it kind of makes it all fun I, I can i can see that for <laughs> sure it's it's um it's a unique position to be in but you put a lot of work in to get to where you're at too mm -hmm. which yeah and I, Harlem and stuff, we always talk about it when you have freedom like it's not as freeing as you think yeah because you have to put in your own constraints you have to be your own worst critic you basically become like, hey, your own boss, and you have to, you can't be like really leaning to yourself. Like you have to be pretty critical, for sure. And we've seen enough people go with that and like completely go off the rails. Well, there's also that aspect of like your working, your workday doesn't stop. Your workday goes into the bed with you. Your workday continues in your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up at three in the morning, you're thinking about like, oh, what, what did I forget to do yesterday? Yeah. What do I got to do today? You know, it's just like endless, but you enjoy the journey, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, that, uh, it's not the point A to point B, it's the, the thing in between. Mm -hmm. um, to wrap up, uh, what's on the horizon for you over the next few months? So I'm working on a video part, skateboarding video part right now. So I'm just kind of getting a couple last minute things to finish that up. Um, obviously like all the information we went over today with the assessment. Mm -hmm. So I have to assess the assessment and start implementing things to kind of work towards 
my optimal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. Um, the plan is to open up more restaurants as well, more smash burger spots, bring new spices, keep coaching, keep training, um, hit new PRs, of course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, just keep absorbing as much knowledge as possible and just keep trying to help people. That's, that's the goal. Mean, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you. 